from the Star Rental Sports Desk. Your 93.3 KJRFM Sports Headlines. All righty, boys and girls, headlines on a uh, kind of chilly Tuesday afternoon, huh? Right here on Sports Radio 93.3 KJRFM, brought to you by our friends at VenueKings.com. Jackson doesn't know dick. You need tickets for tonight's it's game true. of the Padres, by the way. VenueKings.com can get you in for $13. Use code Safia checkout for. A little bit of a discount. All right, where do you want to start? How about we start with news in the National Football League? Steelers linebacker T.J. Watt not going to need surgery on his torn pec, but he will miss six weeks. And Dak Prescott. Name another Dak besides Dak Prescott, by the way. There's one in the Star Wars universe. Surprised you don't know that. Uh, Had a surgery in his thumb yesterday. He is not going on the IR. Jerry Jones says, by the way, he should be back within a month. The DP World Tour is considering fining Sergio Garcia. Why? Well, he he withdrew from the BMW Championship, which is not a big deal, right? Son of a... And then he went to the Texas-Alabama game. Son of a... (laughs) Instead of playing golf. (laughs) So they need to provide a medical reason for his withdrawal or they're fining him. Oh, God. Sergio, what are you doing? Uh, Mariners are back at it tonight. Seattle... Against the Padres, Logan Gilbert versus Hugh Darvish tonight. Luis Castillo against Mike Clevenger tomorrow. The M's are six games up on a playoff spot, tied right now with Tampa Bay for the number one wild card spot. And by the way, games in progress right now that would impact the Mariners. Uh, there's a couple of them. The Orioles and Nationals are tied at one mid third. Rays lead the Blue Jays one nothing bottom third. Chargers and Chiefs coming up on Thursday. That will be a heck of a game. But some people on the shelf, wide receiver Keenan Allen, doubtful. And the Chiefs have placed our old friend Trent McDuffie on the IR with a hamstring injury. And NBA News Suns owner Robert Sarver has been fined $10 million by the NBA, suspended one year after an investigation found he used racial slurs, uh, made sexually related comments and inappropriate comments on employees' appearances in the workplace, which makes him a creep. And the NBA says, give us $10 bucks, And you can't go to a Suns game or be inside your own facility for a year. You imagine owning a basketball team. It's your business. You own it. And the NBA is telling you, you can't can't go go into the office. You can't watch your product in person for an entire decade. So, I don't know. All right. uh, What do we got? Uh, Corey Brock's going to join us at 6 p.m. and talk some baseball with us before the M start their series tonight against the San Diego Padres. It is funny. And, you know, look, not not funny like, uh, wow, that's interesting. Kind of more funny ha-ha. Funny like a clown? Like, yeah, I exactly. You? Yes, funny ha-ha. Uh, that you get a lot of people that don't like to hear what they don't want to hear. Does that make sense? When they hear things that don't jive with their way of thinking or their philosophy or it makes their team look potentially bad or their favorite athlete look potentially yes. bad, they get all pissed off. And, and I just want to say one quick thing here. I think Geno Smith is a phenomenal dude. I think he works his ass off. I think he's had a great career in the NFL. He's formed a really long career as a backup, very capable backup quarterback in the National Football League and maybe one of the best backup quarterbacks in the NFL. I would agree with all those statements. But there's nothing about Geno Smith's career that should tell anybody anything else than what we've seen the previous eight or nine years is about to happen again in 2022. No, and right? and that's why I don't – my estimation for what the Seahawks are going to do this year doesn't change a bit based upon what happened last night. I, I, and I agree with you, and I told you a couple weeks ago 
but I am right now where you were with the Mariners last September. Mm-hmm. I'm totally chill. I'm like, hey, whatevs. They go out there on Sunday and get destroyed by San Francisco. Destroyed. Fine. Whatever they hit, they destroy. I mean, <laughs> it's cool. I'm good with whatever. Whatever I get from Gino is a bonus. Whatever I get from the Hawks this year is a bonus. But, you know, I got a guy on Twitter, for example, uh, at Hawks Ninja, uh, fighting me, beating me. I'm not really fighting me, but just well, kind he's of, a ninja, so you're yeah, in trouble. Exactly. Busting my balls. Uh, and you dissed on Gino for the entire offseason without giving him a chance, even though the tape said otherwise. And I'm like, what are what, you talking what about, tape? dude? What are you talking about? Like, the guy has a career passer rating of 77. He's got a 59% completion rate with 37 picks and 36 touchdowns. Anything he does to the contrary this year is a surprise. And a pleasant one, by the way. Yes. Look, we're all rooting for the guy. He plays for the Hawks, whatever. But what are we doing here acting like there was some faction of the fan base that jumped on the Geno Smith wagon and knew something that nobody else knew that makes them superior to the rest? Well, it's like you said last night on the postgame show. He got adjusted to in the second half. Right. And so it's up to Geno Smith to adjust to the adjustments. And it's something that he has not been able to do at all in his career. Right. right. He came in in that Rams game, right? Cold turkey. Rams hadn't seen him. And he was able to light it up for a little bit, right? Yeah, correct. And then later on in that game, what happened? Oh, things didn't go well at the end of the game for Geno Smith because the defense saw things they were able to adjust. He wasn't able to do anything against Pittsburgh, wasn't able to do anything against the Saints. He had one good game against a team that had quit. Yeah. The yeah. Jacksonville yeah. Jaguars had quit on the season, and right. the Seahawks right. scored 31 and points. Look, you know, it, it, it's why I said in, in, in the open of the radio show, which now feels like a month ago, by the way, all right, that, hey, I think for him last night was freaking awesome. awesome. Unbelievable. I mean, no matter what this guy does in his career, he's going to have this. And we'll always remember the Geno Smith game. For as long as he lives, it's the Geno Smith game. For as long as he lives, as long as we live, that is the Geno Smith game. Okay? So I think it's great, but I also think that there's massive limitations with this guy. And if you want to win games with Geno Smith, you're going to have to win them exactly the way you won last night. By forcing turnovers at the goal line, being unbelievable in the red zone. I saw a stat from my buddy Ed Werder who I've always loved since he messed up the Jared Allen report three years ago. Uh, He was walking outside the bar last night at Jimmy's on first. Russell Wilson was 0 for 4 in the red zone. Now, that's based on touchdowns. Mm -hmm. You know how many times he's done that up until last night? Zero. Zero. It's never happened. Do you guys know what a freak of a game last night really was? It was. It really was. And I love it, but it was a freak. I mean, you had, and and really, it was weird plays that didn't happen for both teams, right? I mean, Geno Smith slips on a fourth down and an inch, right. and he doesn't get it, so right. we don't score there. Quandre Diggs misses a pick that he would catch 49 times out of 50. How about Jamal Adams? Has yeah, another Jamal, pick bounce off Jamal his head. Jamal Adams can't catch a no, cold. I'm being so, sarcastic I mean, I mean, there because I'd be more surprised if he caught the damn thing. To that's be honest why I didn't with you. mention the, the Adams right. one. I, I'm with you. I think Jamal probably catches two of the ten, ten of those. Jamal catches. It hit him in the head. 
It hit him in the head, just like the Commanders last year on Monday Night Football. It hit him in the face. It's so funny, too, because I went back and rewatched it today, and he sat there after it, and you see what he did? He put his fingers up like, oh, I was this close to catch it. No, you weren't, dude. Your face was eight inches higher than your hands, and that's where the ball went. And I think for him, look, this is already a guy, not to pick on Jamal because he's hurt right now. He's got a torn quad, and who knows how long the guy's going to be Can we not pick on guys that are hurt? First of all, well, I just... I mean? I I, I don't know, maybe. Pete Pete Carroll (laughs) talks about the guy like he's Ronnie frickin' Lott. Right? It's unbelievable. He's been so great for us. He's magnificent. We all love him. Okay, fine. The guy has been an absolute disappointment since the trade. I don't know how anybody can deny that. And now it's going to be even harder for him to make catches like that because he's got two fingers fused together. Hello? When, when he can ever come back and play. Yeah. I yeah. mean, it's it's yeah. the worst. I'd rather see guys like Josh Jones out there. I thought Josh Jones played well last night. I thought freaking Josh Jones played well. I thought Tariq Woolen for his first NFL start looked fine. Kobe Bryant got burned on that touchdown, but he looked okay. You could see signs from some of these young guys that they may have a future with the team. And I was watching Woolen a lot, and it Russell just couldn't go his way. I mean, Tariq Woolen made a couple of bad plays on the pass interference, but I was pleasantly surprised with what I saw from right. Tariq Woolen in right. his first game. I'm like, I agree. I was thinking, totally if agree. he plays like this oh, yeah. in his first ever game against Russell Wilson and Cortland Sutton, yeah. What the heck's he going to do two years from now? Well, look, I mean, Millen said it, and I, I, I think a lot of people took this as a criticism when it's not meant to be that way at all. And I think people hear stuff, and they flip out and don't hear the end yeah. of a sentence. Oh, you said or, he's going to suck. Well, that's not what he said right. at all. What he said is that he is the rawest, least NFL-ready player the Seahawks have ever drafted. So, in essence, what he's telling you, is that what Tariq Woolen did last night is an unbelievable compliment to the coaching staff, and to him, by the Mm -hmm. way, too, both those guys. Because in April, they took a guy who, here's a guy who watches more tape than anybody I know. Yep. I mean, it's unbelievable. I'm telling you, Hugh Millen watches more tape than some NFL coaches do. I'm not kidding you. Oh, there's no question. He may watch more tape than Kyler Murray does. Seriously. He probably watches as much tape as Greg Cosell does. And he's telling us that he is the least ready NFL player the Hawks have ever drafted. And I think the Hawks may have agreed with that, too. They they knew they were t- t- taking a project. Hell, when Woolen came on with us, he was even telling you and me, hey, I've barely played corner, yeah. right? Yep. So, and now the guy's starting? I mean, give it up to him and give it up to the Seahawks coaching staff for getting the guy prepared. Absolutely. And the, and the defense yesterday, the, the corners weren't nearly as bad. I wanted to see what type of pass rush we got. We didn't, we got one from one side. Number 10, man, Nuosu. Oh, yeah. No doubt. That's a heck of a free agent pickup right there in Nuosu. Now the other side, my guy, my guy, 52. Did he yeah. play yesterday? Yeah. Did Daryl Taylor play yesterday? Didn't look like because it. Because I didn't like see it. him yesterday. Yeah. Come on, DT. I've talked you up. you got to be our 8-10 to 10 sack well, guy. And Wosu may have had the kind of game he had in part because Taylor was getting some attention. Maybe. It's really hard to tell with things like that. That's why like I'm talking about the Huskies. And, hey, I don't care if Baylor Trice gets a sack or not. He's flushing quarterbacks out of the yes, pocket. Yes, And we saw that against Portland State. Now, can we see it this weekend, please? If we see it Saturday versus Michigan State, then, oh, we got something on our hands here. But apparently, Colin Cowherd has opened up his mouth again. And I, I don't know about you. I love this stuff. I think it's fun mm-hmm. for sports talk radio. It's fun to go back and forth and have people say ridiculous stuff and have debates about it and be able to fight back and respond to it. So Colin Cowherd, who, and you tell me if I'm out of line here, 
in context, is a notorious Russell Wilson ass kisser. Yes. Is that fair to say? And in in combination with that, he is also totally anti Pete Carroll. Right. And I don't. I'm not saying he's wrong to kiss Russell's ass. I mean, Russell's been phenomenal for ten years. He's a big fan of Russell. Great. Whatever. But I I I saw this last night, by the way, on social media. Actually, it may have been a different something else he was talking about. And I wanted so badly to write back and say, "What's it like living in Russell Wilson's Tukas? <laughs> Is it warm?" The tropical, what's it like in there? Because he's constantly there. This is my happy place. It's uh, exactly. It is unbelievable how much time Colin Coward spends up R- Russell Wilson's backside. Welcome okay? to my happy place. So apparently he went off on the 12s today for their treatment of Russell Wilson. Yes. Check this out. There was a moment when Russ came out of the tunnel and got booed. Listen, he requested a trade. Fans were hurt. 20 years from now, if there's a ring of honor, everybody will get over it. But I grew up in the Pacific Northwest, and we weren't very good very often. The Sonics in the late 70 won a title. The Huskies, 1991, the Washington Huskies won a title. The Mariners are 45 years old. We've rarely been interesting. In fact, Seattle still proudly celebrates beating the Yankees in a divisional round series 27 years ago. We just don't win very much. Russell Wilson made Seattle relevant for a decade. In the 10 years he was the Seahawks quarterback, they were on national television 43 times. Like only the Cowboys were on more. In the 10 years prior to that, 17 total, and mostly because of the other team. When you're from Seattle and you're tucked in the Pacific Northwest and it's cold and it's dark and it's miserably wet all winter long, you can't wait for the hydroplane races in July or August You really celebrate the sun, celebrate those rare sunny days in February. I can't boo Russell Wilson because great is so rare in Seattle. You know, people say, well, he bailed on us. So did Boeing. So did the NBA. So did A-Rod. The Pacific Northwest is cold and wet and damp and geographically isolated. Very few people who are stars stay there forever. You take pride in Starbucks. It's ours. You take pride in Microsoft dominating the world. We felt smarter for a long time than everybody else. I just don't have it in me to boo somebody as a Pacific Northwest kid who was great for a decade and made us relevant and made us a national team. So you just really celebrate the good times as long as they last. Well, I got to Russell Wilson. All right. I got to be honest. It's not in me. I got to be. And that's fine. All right, I got to be honest with you. He lost me at the Starbucks reference. He, he he really did. Because if you know anything about the DNA of this sports town, to act like there is some mass conglomerate of sports fans in town that takes pride in Starbucks every morning they wake up is as disconnected as you can get with this city. And my first reaction was, hey, look, you want to applaud Russell Wilson? Then great. Mm -hmm. Applaud Russell Wilson. I'm just telling you what I thought, what you thought. The overall reaction was going to be in general terms from the Seahawks fan base last night. And we were right about that. And I think everybody knew that was coming. Anybody who spends five seconds in this town. And he's talking about how we are supposed to almost judge people now based on what life was like before running water. 
Well, not everybody is 50 years old like you and I are. Yes, exactly. Right? I mean, there's a lot of people in this town that have known nothing but great success for the Seahawks. Ever since Paul Allen bought the team in the mid-90s, they've been consistently a winner. Whether with Hasselback or Holmgren or Carroll or Wilson or the LAB, they've been one of the premier franchises in the National Football League since Paul Allen bought them in 1997. So if Colin Cowherd, who I love, by the way, I think he's great at what he does. I really enjoy Colin Cowherd. I do too. I watch I just, the show every day. I disagree with him big time on this one. If he wants us to base all of our opinions on how we treat athletes now, base them on what we were used to back in the day before electricity and radio, then, yeah, we can look at it from a different perspective. But maybe Colin's been gone too long because the times they are a change in pal, and they have changed big time. His comments both today and yesterday showed exactly what he is, a guy that used to live here when this sports town was entirely different than it is right now. Right. And he said... He tried to make a point that actually flew in his face. He said, A-Rod left. Like, like we didn't boo him? Yeah, they hate him, too. The NBA left. Yeah. What? We didn't boo the NBA? People hate the NBA, I mean, too. I'm like, this, he was speaking as if it was still 1987. Right. right. And this city is so different. And I made this point last night on the on the post game show. There are things about this city, and you've said this too, Dave. There are things about this city that you used to like a lot more than you do now. Of course. But... When it comes to the rabidity of the sports fan, particularly the NFL sports fan in this city, it is way better now than it used to be. It is hardcore, and I think he's probably right. When he predicted that they wouldn't boo, that was the 1987 Colin Coward thinking about Seattle because I think in 1987, we wouldn't have booed. You would die to have a guy like that. We wouldn't have booed in 87. I think it's almost, and I use this term very loosely, and I feel almost bad bringing it up, but I'm going to do it anyway. It's it's almost an insult to sports fans in this town that we are supposed to just keep quiet, shut the hell up, take what we can get, and appreciate it. Yeah. Right? We're in Seattle. We've got one major championship in the Big Four since 79. You know, we got the WNBA, we got the Sounders, and we have one Super Bowl title and the Sonics back in the late 70s, and you should be happy with that and keep quiet. Because your sports history is so lame that whatever you get, whatever crumbs fall off the sports god's table, you should just be happy to get that, right? Have you seen the new, here's a movie analogy for you, the Mad Max remake with Tom Hardy? Oh, yeah. When they open up the water? Remember that? Just be thankful that I'm turning this water on for you people who haven't (laughs) had a drink in six months. Just be happy, all right, that you get 30 seconds of agua. All right, because I could give you nothing, but I'm going to give you this. And when I hear Colin Coward talk like that, there's a part of me that gets a little bit ticked off that that's the way some people think of us in this region. And look, I get it. If you're not living here anymore, you might think that way. But Colin's from here, for God's sakes. He was born in Westport. Is that right? Yeah. He's from this area. I mean, we should get him on the air. I, you know, I'll, I'll call Greg Tui, our, our buddy, and see if we can get him on the air. And ask him, because what I heard Colin say right there is that, hey, we should just be happy with whatever stupid little scraps we get. We should shut up about it, embrace it, and appreciate whatever little victory we earn here as sports fans in this city. So I thought last night, I totally disagree with Colin. I thought last night was flipping awesome. I thought it was a great memory. I thought it reignited the fan base. Ian mentioned that today on his show. He's a thousand percent correct. 
And I thought it made, you know, look, it obviously connected the fan base and Geno Smith a little bit and maybe even inspired Geno. Maybe Geno's got now a better chance of playing better because of what he went through last night. Well, I think... And the support that he got. I think whether it was, you know, genuine or not, maybe it was it genuine for the night or was it genuine for the season, regardless, Geno thinks that we have his back now. Right. Right. And I don't think right. he thought that before last night's game. He had no sure. reason to think that right. before last night's sure. game. And we we came, we cheered Gino because there was a big cheer when Gino came onto the field before he ever threw a pass. They cheered him coming on. Right. So I was like, okay, yep. we're behind you, Gino. Show me what you got. And then yep. he threw two touchdown passes early, and they started the chance. So maybe it was started a little bit of short-term bonding. We know he's not the answer right. for long-term, but sure. maybe some short-term bonding wonder, between Gino and the coaching and, and the fans. Let me ask you this. And if you guys want to leave a talkback message, we'll get to some at 630. Hit the uh, little microphone there on the uh, 93.3 KJR stream. Does this happen last night? If the Seahawks are not playing Denver, no. does that happen last no. night if Colt McCoy is starting opposite Geno Smith? Absolutely Does not. that happen last night if Kyler Murray or Trey Lance are starting? No. I think all of that was a message to Russell Wilson. You're no longer our guy, and because Geno's here now, he's our guy. Don't you think? Absolutely. So get let, let's get some thoughts on last night. You, you tell me uh, about what last night meant to you. Uh, 524, Corey Brock going to join us, talk some Mariners at 6 p.m. tonight. I just feel like we're kind of waiting to clinch. I mean, it's inevitable. Mm -hmm. There's six games up on Baltimore. It'd be a massive cougat. There are people that still believe we're not going to the playoffs. Well, I mean, 21 years will do that to a person, I guess. Uh, We'll get a break. Uh, Corey Brock will join us at 6 p.m. Coming up on Sports Radio 93.3 KJRFM. Yeah, how about you guys? Excuse me. I do have an off button, by the way, I could use instead of clearing my throat on the air, a la our friend Mike Leach. Uh, I I don't know about you guys, but I could just play this all freaking day long. Did you get that started in your section? No. Okay. I did not. But it was awesome. I mean, I uh, I love it. I thought it was great last night. One of the really cool moments in that game yesterday. Well, we had a guy at the postgame show come up to me while I was on break, and he goes, hey, would it screw your show up if I got a Geno st- chant started in here? And I was like, are you kidding me? I go, I'll cue you when we're coming back on the on the air. And so I cued him. He got it going, and we came yeah. back into a Geno yeah. chant. You mean like this? Yeah. If you missed the opponent audio recap, by the way, we're going to give it to you again around 6.30 or so. We'll get some talkbacks as well. I want to get just, you know, people's thoughts on their take on last night, right? You know, because, again, as Dick and I were talking last segment, playing those quotes from Cowherd, there seems to be a serious disconnect between what the national media thinks of the performance by the Hawk fans last night versus what we think of the performance by the Hawk fans last night. So you tell us, use the talkback mic on the iHeart app, leave us a message, and give us your uh, your take on what you heard, what you saw last night at Loom, and I thought it was awesome. You think it was awesome. I assume you think it was awesome. Loved every second of At it. the stadium last night. And I got to tell you, man, I'm a big fan of not giving a damn without what other people think. 
Like, for example, and I mean sports-wise, not like, you know, I'm going to punch you in the face and don't care if you like it or not. (laughs) When we had Edgar Martinez, remember the chant for Edgar? The Edgar... It sounded like a cat call. Yeah. Right? It like really the Daryl chant. Exactly. But when opposing us, fans did that. For us, it was the exact opposite. Exactly. Right? It had the exact opposite meaning. This stupid thing that we did for A-Rod, you know, throwing money at him. It just went on and on and on and on and on. And people are going to Safeco Field, and they're tossing Monopoly money at him, and somebody uh, asks him why. I got no idea. We're just doing it. Right? Yep. Like, it's like our thing. Last night was our thing. I don't think we have enough things that are just ours in this city, and last night was ours. Exactly, exactly. Like like raising the twelfth man flag. That's yes. our thing. It's our thing. You know, and, That's our and thing. mostly colleges do that thing. Pros don't don't normally do that. But that was, and I don't really care if people don't understand it. I care more that there was no props given to the Seattle Seahawks as a team nationally. Mm, right. I mean, right. it was all about. Nathaniel Hackett and was all about Russell Wilson and it was just like oh yeah Seattle won the game but it wasn't really because of what Seattle did they held Russell Wilson and the Broncos to 16 freaking points right and and let's talk about that because the national story is obviously Nathaniel Hackett if you turn on you know went back home watched the game and uh, uh, Scott Van Pelt is is it Ryan Clark is doing stuff for ESPN and he's talking about the field goal he's talking about this talking about and then he finally got to some plays from Geno Smith and look man you you got to give Pete Carroll and that coaching staff a little credit for the way the team performed last night because I think you had a scenario, Dick, and you tell me if I'm nuts because of this, not in general terms. I think you had a scenario last night that could have easily unfolded where the Seahawks could have been the undisciplined team. They could have been the one that was too ramped up yes. and That's too right. energized for that game. They could have been the side that was just blah and freaking out, doing stupid stuff, you know, late hits undisciplined things, flags, penalties, all that. And instead, it was Denver Mm -hmm. that was acting like that. Denver was acting like they were the ones that got scorned by a quarterback. Denver was acting like they were the ones that had a score to settle with the opposing quarterback. The Seahawks on the opposite side looked totally calm, collected, cool. They knew what they were doing. They knew they were maybe outmatched talent-wise, but, man, they made up for it with some great plays in the red zone. But Denver was the team that was kind of playing out of their mind last night and not focused. There's a fine line to walk between playing with your hair on fire at the absolute optimum level and then stepping over that line and doing what you're talking about, offsides penalties, 15-yard penalties, late hits of the, late hits of the quarterback. And really, the only person that did that until he got hurt was Jamal Adams. He was over there for some reason just barking all over Javante Smith on the sidelines. I was like, get away from him, dude. What are you doing? And then he had a bald bounce off his face, and then finally he was out of the game. We don't have to deal with that anymore. But, I mean, other than that, the team played really, really calm, cool, and collected, and yet played really hard at the right. same time. Well, I mean, there's just like we've seen games like this where the box score says something totally different should have happened versus what happened, right? Like the Broncos had almost 200 more yards than the Seahawks did. The Broncos averaged almost two yards more per play than the Seahawks did. The Broncos nearly doubled up the Seahawks through the air and had the ball for almost eight more minutes than the Seahawks did. They had no right to win that game. That's right. The Hawks did, but they stepped up in the red zone and got it done. So, Look, I, I, I think it's one of those games where a lot of people can go either way on it. I understand what people are saying, that it's like the Daytona 500, that it's all downhill from here, right? You took the car out, you smashed it up, 
and now you got to find a way to stay on the circuit for the next couple of months. You mean like the Sounders winning the Champions League? Exactly. Just like that. Yeah, we're, we're coming back. It is yeah. like CONCACAF. And maybe in December, <laughs> the Hawks will find a way to roar back and win a couple of games and keep them in playoff contention. But, you know, look, obviously, emotionally, this Sunday is going to be hard. I fear, though, and it's not even really a fear because I've told you, I, I think it's house money in 2022, that there may not be, well, I don't think there's going to be a moment like that the rest of the year. And there may not be a moment like that from an emotional perspective for a long damn time. I mean, that was unique what happened last night, right? Oh, that was once for a in lot a of decade. reasons. And it may have been once in a lifetime. Well, from that standpoint, with a guy coming back, it was once in a lifetime. Right. But as far as an energy standpoint, yep. it's been seven, eight years since right. we've seen that energy in that building. Like Absolutely. That. I mean, how much are tickets going for right now at VenueKings.com for the Falcon game in a couple weeks God, from now? I imagine $25. I, well, I don't think it's that low, but <laughs> I think it's pretty damn low. Tickets to get in are 84 bucks right now, and that's two weeks before the game. Yeah, they'll come down. So by game time, they'll be way low. So yeah, I mean, I think that was the crescendo. I think that was the climax of the 2022 football season. Now, if these guys find a way to shock the world and make a playoff run, and they got the Rams, I think, in Week 17 in Seattle, and they make that game meaningful, that is going to be great. Yes. Awesome. Wonderful. I would not bet money on that happening, and neither would anybody who's smart or has a brain in their head. But last night, and I saw Craig Gass tweet this too, if that is what we have in 2022, then fine. Right? Let's go out there and let's find the next great Seahawks quarterback Let's develop these rookie offensive linemen. Let's find some corners and let's go to the training camp at the VMAC next July without nearly as many questions as you had this year. It was like uh, asking the football gods yesterday, I'm willing to push all my luck chips in for the whole season yeah. if you can just give me this one. Yeah. And that's kind of yeah. how I felt. It's like, hey, if we've got five or six more close games at some point over the course of the year where we need one play to go either way to win it, like, yeah. I don't care. Right. I'm pushing all my luck chips in on yes. this game. Yes. Give me this one, and I'll yes. sacrifice well, those. Let me ask you a question. How good do you feel now if you got the Hawks in the over five and a half? I got it. Huh? I feel very good. They win five more games the rest of the way. Is I done. got it. Because last night was not supposed to be one of those wins, and and now it is. And you know what else is funny about this last night? And I saw you tweet about this during the game. The Seahawks already have a habit of using the term legend very loosely. Oh, my gosh. Okay? now I I like Walter Thurman. I think Walter's a really good guy. And when he was healthy, he was good. He was never healthy, though. He was the legend for the game last night, or one of the legends for the game last night. When they bring those guys back in 10, 15 years from now... Guess who now has elevated his status? Oh, that's a great call. He will be there. I'm telling you, he's a fan favorite now. He'll be like Charlie Whitehurst. He's like Paul Bunyan. (laughs) Didn't Charlie Whitehurst win a playoff game for us? I'm telling you, man, this guy. Well, Hasselbeck started the 2010 game, right? He won the Week 17 game against the The Rams. Week 17 game to get us there. That's right. started the same game and they won that game. Right. But he has now, I think Geno Smith... And I don't even know if he can give it back. I think he's elevated himself into kind of a cult hero now with Seahawks fans. Don't you think? I think so. Even if he plays, if he plays crappy for the rest of the year, because then at least they'll so say, what? "Hey, hey, you gave us our, you gave us that game, Gino." We'll always have this. That's right. Five forty-one. We're gonna give you the opponent audio recap from the Denver radio crew at around six thirty on Sports Radio ninety-three point three KJRFM. 
All right, Corey Brock, the man with two first names, courtesy of SimplySeattle.com. And by the way, if you're looking to buy something for the Mariner stretch run uh, into October, uh, I want you to jump on the website. Seattle Mariners. And use code KJR15 for 15% off anything at SimplySeattle.com. Mariners right now are tied uh, with Tampa Bay, literally, uh, both teams are seventy nine and sixty one. Uh, they are a half game up on Toronto for the number one wild card spot. Orioles are five and a half games back and starting to fade. So I don't know. This thing is, uh, I'd say, in the next week and a half or so, it might be locked up. Two weeks or so, it could be locked up. Uh, what is this? The thirteenth of September, and the uh, M's and Orioles both have, I think, twenty two games left to go. Let's pick a day. Well, the best the M the 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 best the Orioles can do is ninety five. So to get to ninety five, because we uh, know they own the tiebreaker with Baltimore, is that mm-hmm. right, Jackson? So yep. they have to win sixteen more games. So any combination of Oriole losses, Mariner wins, will get you uh, a spot in the playoffs. Uh, the scoreboard as of right now, Baltimore's playing today. Is that correct? Yes, they are tied. With the Nationals 3-3 in the top of the fifth, so go Nats. So if the M's win today and the Orioles lose, you'll wake up tomorrow and your magic number will be 14, which means you're within a week, potentially, of clinching a playoff spot. So let's pick a date. That's a hell of an idea for a contest. Let's pick a date with Softy and Dick. I'll take the 5'9 blonde gal. She looks nice. Oh, you mean I did on a calendar. Oh, okay. So when will the Mariners clinch a playoff spot? Sunday, September 25th. Against who? Um, I will tell you that's right now. That's the Kansas now. City Royals. Kansas City Royals. Okay. That's the final that's game of the season. In Seattle, is that correct? It's in KC. In, in Kansas, Kansas City. Okay. And they will come home for three against Texas with, I mean, I guess still something to play for. But right. in from my standpoint, and I think your standpoint as well, I kind of sort of like the sixth seed. So really nothing to play for other than home playoff games in the first round. Right. Uh, I think it's going to be before that. I think it'll okay. happen on that Friday. I think they'll clinch a playoff spot 23rd. on that Friday night, the 23rd. Uh, yeah, because they're playing nobody. I mean, they got two games with San Diego, and then they got four with the Angels, three with the A's, and then three more with Kansas City, including that Friday night game. Who does Baltimore have in their next uh, rough. few games? Yeah, rough. rough for them. Rough for them. Right, so the schedules yes. are like, they're opposites. Well, and that's why we talked about three weeks ago. I mean, that's that was the big that was the big thing that I was pushing was the schedule of the Mariners versus the schedule of everybody that in yeah. the East that was chasing the Mariners. Yeah. And it just, it's come out that way that the Mariners have just taken advantage of this easy schedule. And everybody that is with the, the Baltimore Orioles have what won four of their last ten. Oh. They're oh. playing worse teams. They're playing better teams than they are. Yeah. And it's it's just not going to happen for them. Look at this schedule they've got. So two with the Nats, who are terrible. Three with Toronto. Three with the Tigers, who are terrible. And then. And then Houston for four. Boston for four. The Yankees for three. And the Blue Jays for three. Good night. To end the year. Good freaking night. I mean, that is it. That is all she wrote. <laughs> So, yeah, I think the Orioles are about to fall apart. They they made a nice little run. They did. Nice little cute run to get themselves in contention. And it's funny how now we are the ones after 21 years talking some smack. But I think we're getting really close to saying bye-bye to the Baltimore Orioles. And naturally, when we're just saying those words, the Orioles just took a 4-3 lead in the fifth. Well, that That's means they I mean. can lose 5-4. <laughs> that means they're closer yeah. to my date yeah. and further away from Dave's well, date. Well, I think there's a lot of reasons for optimism after last night if you're a Seahawks fan. And I'm not even talking about for this season, right? Like, forget about it. You know, nobody's going to go on the air 
unless you're an adult and talk about how well. Now their playoff odds have increased by 55% after beating the Broncos yesterday. What are their playoff? I, gotta look I that have up. no idea. Do they even do that after week one? That. Footballoutsiders.com. Check it out. Okay. Um, you have to be a subscriber to that. Probably. I, I think you have to be a little more. And I'm not. I, look, I don't even need, I think, Monday night to, to kind of prove this or show this, but. Can we get to a point where we are now creeping closer to being able to actually know who's going to be a starter at a certain spot next year when you did not know that in July of this year? Meaning, you know, look, Tariq Woolen, for example, um, Abe Lucas, Charles Cross, for example, Mm -hmm. guys like that. We haven't even seen Kenny Walker III yet. There's a lot of players on this football team that are very young that I think may have, you know, futures that may stick around for a while with these guys. Yeah, I think uh, I'm going to give it probably six to eight weeks. And I think that'll probably be long enough for us to really see Kobe Bryant and Tariq Woolen and Abe Lucas and Charles Cross and all those guys, the the rookies they brought in, the other young guys they brought in, Michael Jackson. Yes. Like, okay, are these Josh Jones, are these placeholders, place fillers, or are they guys that are going to be starters for a long period of time? I don't think it'll take that long. No, Maybe I agree. six, six to yeah. eight games, probably. Yeah. Well, because, look, the NFL careers aren't that long, right? So if those guys go three or four years, <laughs> then you true. should know fairly fast. So Corey Brock will join us at 6 o'clock. Uh, 6.30, we'll get to the Broncos uh, opponent audio recap. We'll let you hear what that game sounded like on Denver Radio last night. Uh, we also want to get a few of your talkbacks. Use the KJR stream, the 93.3 KJR stream on the iHeart app, and hit that little microphone there it's very small and i gotta be honest with you i got a hard time seeing it i can't see anything i'm sitting in the stands last night that play where kobe bryant got burned yeah i thought it was quandary Diggs. i know you tweeted out and i was like what's he talking about i thought it I was go, did Quad- i miss something here? i thought it was quandary Diggs. i'm like what the you wanna, hell i'm gonna you guys both i take- saw number six i'm like why is he covering a guy on the sideline okay jackson percent chance for the seahawks to make the playoffs right now according to football outsiders <laughs> I would guess 20%. All right, let me ask Softy. you a question. Has this changed since yesterday? Yes, it's up okay. 9%. Oh, okay. It's, it's uh, 15%. 35.4%. Oh, 35.4% <laughs> according to Football Outsiders. Okay, but time out. Doesn't that speak more to how wide open the NFC exactly is? Exactly right. Right? That's exactly right. If they were in the AFC, there's no way they're that high. Uh, no. Corey Brock from The Athletic uh, is going to join us. When does he think? We want Corey Brock to pick a date. Pick a date on the calendar. Hell, we should do a contest, man. Maybe tomorrow. Give away some taco time? I got to find a price. Maybe tomorrow. We'll do it. I want I want to know from the fan base, what day will the Mariners actually clinch a playoff berth? We'll do that tomorrow on the show and find something cool to give away. Corey Brock will join us, though, next on 93.3 KJRFM.